0: Can I ask you today, are you positively sure that if the economy collapses tomorrow, that you'll be financially secure? See, a lot of people today are worried about their future financially, financially, because they hear the news, they see what's going on, and they're scared, rightfully, rightfully. There's nothing wrong with being scared. It's a human response to problems. But our trust is in the Lord. He said to us, he said to us, in his word, David wrote these words. He said, I'm old and I was young. Meaning I've lived a long life. And in my lifetime, David said, I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Say those words. I have not what? Are you righteous? Then you'll never be forsaken. Yeah, exactly. Or his seed, because if, if David stopped with, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, that's only half the good news. But then he said, nor his seed begging for bread. Now if your seed will not lack, meaning your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren, then God will surely take care of you. So the Lord has promised to take care of you and your children and your grandchildren and your great-great-great-grandchildren financially. Say financially. Because David said... Nor is she begging for bread. That's a wonderful promise in the Bible. That is such a blessed promise. If it was the only promise in the Bible, it's enough to give you peace. Because God spoke that. But there's many promises like that. Now some will say, well, I don't know if I believe the Bible. Okay, let me ask you a few questions. Now now you need to listen carefully to this okay because today i hear people say well i don't know if i believe this and i don't know believe that about, da, 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 da. about the bible my response is <clears throat> how many prophecies are in books outside christianity other religions think about the, all, all the religions on earth okay H- how many prophecies are in them Zero. Zero prophecies in any book outside Christianity. So if you go study it, how many prophecies are in such a religion's book? You'll see none. Why? Because if one is broken, the whole religion will collapse. How many prophecies in the Bible? 2,500. Now wait, 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 wait. You'll even get more excited when I'm done. God wanted to guarantee to us that his word is true. So he gave us 2,500 prophecies in the Bible. And how many of them have been fulfilled? 2,000. How many? Now these 2,000 prophecies have been fulfilled with such accuracy, it is mind-boggling. Prophecies about Israel... Babylon, Assyria, Egypt, you name it. Because God gave the prophets detailed prophecies about those nations. And, And the coming of the Lord, like 332 prophecies just about the Lord's first coming. How many prophecies in the Bible about the Lord's first coming? How many? 332. Now they say if three are fulfilled, just three, it's a miracle. Because it's not humanly possible, not humanly possible, even for a few to be fulfilled, like three or four. Jesus fulfilled 332 already when he came the first time. Now, there are many more that will be fulfilled when he comes back. But all together, 2,000 prophecies have been fulfilled about Israel, Babylon, the Moabites, Edomites, all theites, Egypt, Assyria, all that from the prophets. 500 prophecies are to be fulfilled about Israel and the second coming of the Lord. And the chances of those being fulfilled is extremely high because 2,000 are fulfilled already. So you can stake your life on the Bible. But God knew, God knew that some people don't believe the Bible. So he gave us historical proof. God is a smart God. Because he knew people say, well, I don't believe the Bible still. So then he gave us historical proofs. Let me ask you a question, gentlemen, all of you behind me on the platform. How many prophecies, sorry, how many documents, documents in the world talk about Caesar, Augustus Caesar? Any, any of you know? Nine. One, two, three, four, five, six. Nine documents, documents about Caesar exist on earth. Yet they teach in universities and schools that he existed. Nobody questions that there was a man one time named Augustus Caesar. How many historical documents, and I'm I'm talking history with you, how many historical documents talk about that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose from the dead? Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine historical documents— Eighty percent of them are not even written by Christians. Historians, historians. Some were actually atheists. Who act, you can go to any library, your local library, and find out what I'm telling you is true. That historians, 39 documents by historians have written, there was a man named Jesus who died on a cross and rose from the dead. He said, that's incredible. Yeah. Have you read Josephus? It's in there too. And other historians. 39 documents in history. Now, God knew that some would even question his uh, history. So he gave us archaeology. You can walk it, touch it, smell it. I did in Israel. The Bible in, in, in the book of Ezra mentions the steps that go from the Pool of Siloam up to Temple Mount. For 2,000 years, nobody could even believe it. Israeli archaeologists questioned the Bible because they said, Well, there is no Pool of Siloam anywhere. In the book of Ezra, he mentions the steps that go up from Siloam to Moriah Well, I happened to be there physically, me, moi, when they were digging in there. They found the Pool of Siloam by accident. If you look at the city of Jerusalem, right south of Temple Mount is a a town named Silwan in Arabic, Silwan for Siloam. An Arab-Palestinian man had a pipe break in his house. So over 2,000 years, all the mud came down from the Mount, okay, Temple Mount, with all the destruction and all the mud, it covered the city of David. It covered the Pool of Siloam. It covered treasures hidden under the ground. So this guy had a pipe break, so he called for the city to come and help So they came, and as they were fixing it, they found there's more underneath his house. And what did they find? The pool of Siloam, mentioned in the Gospel of John. And then to their amazement and surprise, and I happened to be there, they found the steps that go from the pool to the temple. I walked on those steps. And while they were digging, the archaeologists were digging, they found coins, thousands of coins, 2,000-year-old coins from the time period of the temple. And guess what they did with some of the coins? They gave them to me with the mud on them, 2,000-year-old mud. I cleaned them and stuck them in my pocket, and I still have them. I walked in those locations, and they've discovered more and more. You can go on YouTube, just put City of David. It's all there. You can literally see the sites they have discovered and dug. Now, archaeologists, Jewish archaeologists who are not saved, use the Bible for archaeology. They don't even use other books anymore. They use the Bible. Because the Bible now has become the roadmap in archaeology in Israel. These are not Christians. Can you give the Lord a mighty hand for that? So, so, my point is God has given us proof after proof after proof that the Bible is His Word. So, when I said the Bible says, stake your life on it. And the Bible says, I have not seen the righteous forsaken. You believe that, right? Well, you better. There's proof for that, huh? Nor is seed begging for bread. And the Bible also tells us, all is well. Say, all is well. What did that uh, Shunammite woman say when her son died? Remember that story in in 2 Kings? Her son was dead. Dead. And she never told her husband, the father of the child, that his boy was dead. So the father said, why are you leaving? Why, Why must she go to the man of God? It's not a holy day. But she said, all is well. To her husband... Now she's on the way, and Elisha is there, and she comes to Gehazi, and she says, all is well. Well, in the, in the natural, it wasn't well. The boy was dead. But to her, God is a specialist in the impossible. Amen. Nothing is impossible. <laughs> Say nothing. Amen. Say it again. One one more time please? Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. Now now wait, wait, wait. With God is very important that you understand with, not to, with. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, even though it's true, but it doesn't say in the Bible, nothing is impossible to God. It says with God. Why? Because God needs someone. To believe his promise. So nothing truly is impossible to God, but God has chosen not to do it by himself. Odo Roberts used to say, God will not do it without you. And you cannot do it without him. Say, God will not do it without me. And I cannot. Do it, Do it without Him. It. So, God needs you to believe. That's why it says, with God, nothing is impossible. So, if you put your faith in His promise, the miracle will happen. But if your faith is in your ability, no go. So, you look at the Bible. After you look at the trouble out there, you look at the Bible and you know what? I don't care about that trouble, because it says all is well. And Jesus said over and over and over and over, even when the storm came, fear not, don't be afraid. He said that over and over in the Gospels. So he repeats it to us tonight. Don't be afraid. Look at somebody and say, don't be afraid. What are you afraid for? Come on, tell them. Ask them. So, what are you afraid for? All is well. Let me hear you. Lift your hands. Say, thank you, Lord. All is well. Well, that's the Bible. That's His Word. All right. Now we can put our trust in the Lord by giving with confidence, giving with faith for his work. But you see, every time we give, we are actually obeying Scripture. Giving is not about money. Giving is about faith, that we believe what he says. You go to the store to buy food. You exchange your money for food or clothing or whatever you need. There's no faith involved there. You just give and you buy it, go home. But when you give to God, that money turns into seed. It's no longer money, it's seed. Now in farming, faith is involved. Faith is not involved in buying something from the the store because you can see it. Go pick it up. In fact, you pay on the way out, not in. If you pay it on the way in, then you need faith. So they'll give it to you. But when you already put those things in the bag, you got it. With buying, we pay on the way out. With faith, we pay on the way in. Did you get that? We begin with faith when it comes with God's work. It's about faith. Like the farmer, when he puts that seed in the, in the ground, there is faith involved even in that atheist farmer. He knows that that seed is going to give him a harvest, even though he cannot see the harvest. When you go to a store, you can see your, your suit you want to buy, or the apples, or the oranges, or the grape, or whatever. But when it comes to farming, In a farm around here, they can't see the harvest. They have to sow that seed believing it's going to work. And it does. Every time. God is so amazing. Have you ever looked how many seeds are in an orange? Ooh. How about a papaya? A lot of seed in 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 the fruit. It shows you the power of God in it. So when you give God your money, it's no longer money. It becomes seed. And that's where faith is needed now. So you give in total trust that he meant what he said. And the Lord said, you'll get the harvest. So we've all repeated and remembered, give, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But but nobody really has seen it happen. You will, though, if you believe. Because when Jesus said, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, he was talking about a lot of abundance. He wasn't talking about Paycheck to paycheck. He was saying if you become such a giver, there'll never be an end to the harvest. You'll never lack. And your seed not only blesses you, but your children and grandchildren and their children and their children. It's faith in God. That's all it is. It's faith in God. I can keep you here all night to tell you what God has done with me. When I faced a, a real difficult situation, I knew there's one thing to do, obey. And it worked. Fifty years of it, and it's still working. Because Jesus said, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together to make my room, and running over, shall men." Give to your bosom, meaning you give it with your hand and you receive it with your bosom. Your hands are too small for the harvest. You need to be prepared when it comes. So lift your hands. Let's believe God. Come on. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your promise. For you said, I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Lord, your people have come trusting you that their future will will have abundance, no lack. The word says none lacked among them, and none will lack among us when we believe your word. To you be all the praise. And God's people said, And I want you to sow your seed. Let God talk to you. Let God talk to you. You can listen to God. I'm sure you can. Let God talk to you. And I'm going to encourage you, sweet people, that have a real tr- problem right now with your finance, this is the time to sow. Let your faith come alive as you give to the Lord's work. In fact, some of you can text your, your, your gift even now while I'm talking from your phone you don't you don't even need a, an envelope it's on the screen yeah there you go there you go so simple as bhm 45777 right on the phone just it's in it's in the account you can you can text it right now right to the account or you can give like it says up there paypal and all that good stuff when I began in the ministry, none of that existed. <laughs> now it's all simple, huh? And sow your seed. And you people watching in your homes, you can do the same.